Hi everyone, welcome. This week we have Penny Brownlee, author of Dance With Me In The Heart, Sacred Urge To Play and Magic Places. Penny Brownlee's work has influenced my way of being with children over the last 10 years and I'm very excited to speak to her today and hear what she has to share with us all. Welcome Penny. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to have you here. I'm really excited to talk to you because I have read your books and heard all about you for the last 10 years, I think, uh, since I first started my teaching journey. Would you like to share with our audience what brought you here today? What's your journey and um, how, how are you? Yeah, what brought you to, to, to be doing this today? Well, um, I was a trained primary school teacher and I had done four years teaching mostly new entrants, so five-year-olds, but also what was then called Form 2, so Year 8, so 12 and 13-year-olds, so a bit of in between, but mostly new entrants. And then we had our daughter, Claire, and when she was two, we went to play centre. And that's a parent cooperative that um, was started just after the war by some women. And it worked on a completely different political model. It wasn't hierarchical, it was grassroots. And so all of the emergent leadership came from the parents and it was it was the first time I'd ever been in any organisation where everybody was wanting the best for you. It was a totally different model and I fell in love with it. But I also, because I wasn't the teacher doing crowd control, I had time to sit back and look at kids playing. And what I saw was all the theory that I'd learned about at um, training college in practice when you go into play centre because it's a parent cooperative and the parents hold every role in the centre it wasn't long before I was um, I was going to say invited but really pushed to do my first workshop because I was quite sure I couldn't but Erica was quite sure I could and it was about finger paint and that was the beginning of it so I ended up doing Lots of workshops, mostly around children's creativity, because I'm an artist and that's my passion. And how to keep that creative spark alive in children. And around nature and what, I, what we call here in New Zealand the gifts of papatuanuku, so all the gifts of nature, children and play. So play, creativity and nature, workshops around that. You've been teaching for, did you say, 54 years? <laughs> yeah, shush. shush. <laughs> 54 years, that's a lot. That's a lot of experience. And so from your, from your time working with children and working with parents and, and teachers, is there, what, what's some of the biggest lessons or, or words of wisdom that you could share with our audience today? in terms of being with children? 
in terms of being with children, well, I think we need a new image of the child because the image that we've grown up with in the child in our Western culture, maybe not all Western nations, but most that I know of, with the exclusion of perhaps some of the Scandinavian and Dutch um, cultures, they have a different take on kids. We see them as inherently naughty. And people talk about kids being naughty, it just falls out of their mouths. They expect boy children to be naughtier. So when a child is acting out because their needs are not being met, all the blame goes on the child for being naughty. And yet, when I read the continuum concept some decades ago, um, Jean Leadloff, who lived with the Aquana Indians there, found that in that culture, they don't have a word for naughty. They don't have a concept of naughty. There's no language around naughty. Just does not exist. Mm. Naughty is a cultural construct. And it's part of the construct of the dynamic of domination. So instead of treating babies as free and equal human beings that we make a partnership with, um, it's we do things to the kids. We discipline them, which means we punish them. Mm. So it's a whole, we have to shift it's imperative now that we shift our image of the child to a capable being with whom we can make a partnership. And that really came home to me when I discovered the work of Dr. Emmy Pickler because her work around her work with babies and children is, in my opinion, genius. And when I went with four other New Zealanders to the first training in Budapest that was held in the English language, it was for two weeks long. And one of the things that struck me is you're sitting there taking notes, taking notes, and everything they told me, there's a little voice in my head going, well, that's common sense, that's common sense, that's common sense. In fact, there was nothing that they told us that felt ridiculous. It all felt like common sense. So there was another little voice in my head going, well, if it's so common sense, how come we haven't thought of any of it? Like, it's just, it was so outside of our culture, the culture that I'd been brought up in, to be in a culture where the child is treated as a free and equal human being. And it was, revolu it was revolutionary. And, and part of me went, oh, my God, I shouldn't have even been allowed a kid, you know. <laughs> Not knowing these things. I mean, gosh, it was, it, yeah. So um, that was in 2004. And so for however many years since then, what's that? For 16, 17 years. Even there, on the second day there, I thought, this is so transformative for an individual for a family and for a society when I get home to New Zealand I have to teach this so that's it's, I feel like a missionary at the moment I mean that's my that's going to be my contribution until I fall over it's it's that important to me
that we see and treat our children differently so that we can make partnerships. And if you have people who are social, socially apt as a result of that, empathetic, with their social intelligence scoring really highly because of the way they've been treated, then everything changes. Mm. Absolutely. And there's so much research that, that backs this as well. Uh, oh, Lara, we are at the perfect time because the research is rolling and rolling and rolling in from every angle of science that's to do with people to say, this, look, we've got to do this. Mm. You know, nobody's making this stuff up anymore. This is, it's all researched with scans, with, you know, the whole bit to show how it works in the body and in the brain and the relationships that um, result from it, which lead to, you see, in the end, every child's birthright is happiness. That's their birthright. And treating the child as a free and equal human being, as a partner, okay, they're smaller, but as a partner in life, it's the path to happiness. We've been doing this now in Hauraki for 16 years, actually. And um, so some of those kids are 16 and they're, they're phenomenal. It's, it's just, it just warms your heart. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I, um, I lived in Mexico for a little while, two years ago, and I met quite a few homeschooling families that, well, they, they're called world schooling because they've, have they've chosen to travel around the world with their children for an undefined period of time. And it shocked me that these children who were, you know, seven, eight, nine, came up to me and asked me what my name was <clears throat> and how I was doing and where am I going? And they were leading the conversation and, and they were just so confident and grounded in themselves. And it just hit me, the, the, the emotional response that I got from that should not be shock that a child feels confident enough to come up to me and ask me how I am and, and really have that groundedness in themselves. Every child and every human should feel that and, and bring that to that energy to the world. They should, and they could. Yes. And they would if they were partnered. Yeah. So for our listeners, for our parents and our and our caregivers, what can what can we do? What can we do to to help this partnership form? What can we do? Um, well, it's quite big because the way we see the world and children decides how we speak to them and how we act with them. So it's not enough to want to be kind. I mean, that's good, want to be kind. But one needs to find out exactly how to be kind, especially if these people are dealing with little babies. And I think one of the things that um, probably explains that, that we learned at the Pickle Institute was, of, me personally, I've never heard of a person who has a baby who didn't want to do the best. When they have, get this baby, they love this baby, 
Now they might not have the skills, so it's gonna go pear-shaped or could go pear-shaped or will go pear-shaped depending on how skillless, but the want is there, the love is there at the beginning. Mm. And so acknowledging that to begin with. And so Dr. Pickler said, look, we've got no doubt that you love and care for the baby, we'll show you how. And so there are some simple, no, simple, yeah, they are simple things that we can do with children and babies that are the hows that cause the partnership. Not so easy to do online. It's why I do face-to-face -face courses so that people can have the experience of them. But one of the simple ones is just how we invite kids to do things instead of doing things to them. And one of the ways of doing that is just holding your hands like this. Mm. And if people do that, you know, if you just sit there for a while and hold your hands like that, what you'll feel is a whole shift in your physiology from the upturned palm. Now, kids, read the shift in your physiology. If you do it for long enough, you end up feeling calm, warm, peaceful, open, and you're inviting a kid to do something. Mm. And so if the child is reading you as calm, warm, open, relaxed, they'll be reading you because the electromagnetic frequencies that are coming from you go to them and they get read. That's very different from the adult who wants to wipe their nose and gets out the tissue. You have to imagine I've got one and go, oi, come here. Now, the kid's reading you, and there's no way there's a partnership going to go on here. The kid knows very well what's going to happen. Boink, boink, and a child that's got any brains at all will make a run for it. And we will say, the naughty little sod, look, they knew what I wanted, and they ran away. They're so disobedient. No, they knew what you wanted. They knew how it was going to come, not a partnership, and so they ran away. That's not naughty. That's really smart. <laughs> but if you offer it like this, most little kids, if you say, look, I see that your nose needs wiping and you're holding your tissues, I would not, I'd, I'd rather, or whatever you're holding, hanky tissues, and you don't press it on them, the little kid will lean in to get their nose wiped, even if their nose is very sore. That's a partnership. I invite you and you respond. This is not a partnership. Hold still. This is I am doing things to you. It's a huge difference. Mm. Does that make sense to you? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So in, in the book, Dance With Me in the Heart, at the back, there's some, some steps around partnering, especially when the child is coming into their own autonomy. Because it takes full 18 months for the child to come into their own autonomy and realize that they are separate from mum or separate from you. That takes, that's a long time. There's a lot of shifting that has to happen. And when they do, they come into their personal power and they don't know how to use it because it's new to them. But just as they were born and were expecting a partnership, now that they're coming into personal power, they need us as the guide of how to work in partnership. And most of us don't know how to work with a toddler who's just getting the hang of this. 
And so what we do is we clamp right down and we write books about them. We call them the terrible twos and toddler taming and the toddler survival guide for, God, for, guide for God's sake. You know, who are these little kids? They're just little people learning to move into their personal power and expecting from us a partner that can show them how to use it, especially when they have overwhelming feelings, because they will have overwhelming feelings, how to do that with them, how to co-regulate with them so they can learn to self-regulate. That toddler period is it's really the apprenticeship of them learning to work in partnership. And for us as adults, it's really a spiritual practice of learning how to use our power in partnership with a little kid who's just learning. And if we, if we can nail that, if we can nail that to put together the, the outlook for this little person and for society in general, if there's enough people, looks a whole lot better than it does when we just squash a little kid who's just coming into the use of their personal power. We make them go and sit in the corner. We make them have time out. You know, the, mm, hello. Mm. Mm. Maybe you shouldn't have started me on that one, or maybe I shouldn't have started on that one. <laughs> so let's say uh, a listener it has a toddler, and this toddler is just coming into their their power and their and their autonomy, and they're really, really wanting to, uh, let's say, dish up their own dinner, for example, um, and it and it could get messy, and and there has to be a boundary there. And the child has now fallen to the floor and has all of these big emotions going on. How can the parent or caregiver help, help this child? God, I mean, why are they on the floor in the first place? What happened for them to get onto the floor in the first place? So it's big and it's, like if that's where they are, then you have to sit that out because you were part of it. That's the bit we have to realise, that we were part of it. We consciously so, do it? Yes. Mm. Um, yes, of course there have to be boundaries, but also when the child is... We have to learn how to present choices to them. So they want to dish up. I'm not sure where it would be from or, or how you could make that happen. I doubt that it's going to be from the stove. Like, I'm guessing if they want to dish up, the stuff's already on the table. But the adult didn't offer the kid any choices. The adult didn't say, um, I don't know, because see, we haven't got a meal in front of us. They didn't say, um, if you, you can help yourself to the potato, but I'll dish up the um, stew because it's hot. Right, so giving a child a choice inside the boundary. I'll need to do this one, hun, because this one's hot. But if you can do this one, because remember, these, this is the age where kids go, me do it, me do it, because they've come into their autonomy. They want to do it. Mm -hmm. And if you can look at a situation and find out, you know, you have to use your nouse here and go, okay, can I offer a choice where there's something for the me do it part, the autonomy part, that they'll buy into and keep the boundary for the safety and deal to that bit myself. Mm. So the choice bit's really important because if you're coming into your own power, 
you want a choice. You want a choice. I want a choice. Well, why do you think we shop wildly? We look for the choices. We want choice. And no more so than when a little when you it's to do with power. So that's the same for us as adults. I've worked out a very simple little quiz around power that I give to adults mm. about the use of power. And none of them wants to be told what to do, forced what to do, that's physical force, ordered what to do, none of them. And that's what we do to toddlers the whole time. We want to be invited, yes, and we want to be asked, yes, but not power over, power alongside. So if the little kid ends up on the floor, something's gone pear-shaped in the first place. That's not to say that little kids won't end up absolutely overwhelmed with their feelings. And when they do, we're there alongside them. Because if we can maintain heart coherence ourselves, staying peaceful and calm, and this is a good way to do it, even in the midst of all of this, if we can stay peaceful and calm, if we can keep our vibration in peaceful and calm, if the little person, if and that goes out because it's electromagnetic, and the little person can recalibrate their system back to peaceful and calm, might take a while. At some point, they'll want to connect physically, might take a while. And what's happened there is what we call co-regulation. I held the, the energy and this little person whose systems were all out of kilter reacts to the energy coming and their little system calms down and they come to peace and calm. But what's happened in here is that every time this happens, this little child makes neural pathways and bodily patterns for being able to regulate emotions. They've done it with the help of trainer wheels, like on the trainer wheels for that while this is happening. But eventually they can do it on their own because they've made all the patterns while this co-supporting went on. Mm. And if we can stay calm in that, we, with, alongside and with the child, then we're offering them the chance to build whatever is required in their system so that they can come back into regulation themselves. Mm. Does that make sense? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh... but I, I can't overemphasize the importance of treating this little person the way we'd want to be treated as a partner and remembering they just get the hang of it, man. If somebody was learning to walk, and we didn't kind of like how it was going. We wouldn't push them over. But when someone's getting the hang of using their personal power, we figuratively push them over mm. instead of supporting them. I think it's also important to note that if you are a parent or a caregiver and you haven't been given the opportunity to express this personal power yourself or... Uh, fully express your emotions to be really kind to yourself as you as you work through that uh, journey of personal power and self emotional regulation just as you would with the child oh I couldn't agree more mm. uh, most of us because of the way we've been brought up where power is used against 
against you. So like that, then a child only knows this model, it's called the model of the dynamic of domination. They know you can be this, or they know you can be this. And if there's been a heck of a lot of that going on, when they get into another um, scenario and they can do that to others, mm. they do. Because mm. it's all they know, this one or this one. And so that's why at this critical stage on the planet and at this critical time in a child's life, if we the adults can do the learning and the the compassion with ourselves to learn to work in power equally like this, that would be great. Now, let me say to you, if you, this is my personal power and this is my personal power, it'll never look like this. If it does, you're both dead because there's always a bit of a dance going on. But the intention of the big person working with a little person is that we will work this out together in harmony, not this. It doesn't mean to say there's not going to be boundaries because people go, oh, you're going to let them run amok. No, but you work things out together. Mm. And whole cultures, indigenous cultures, have um, operated like that. So if our culture can do it, even one culture can do it, we know it can be done. It just means a cultural shift. It's a big shift. It's mm -hmm. a monumental shift. Absolutely. But it's the shift we need now on the planet because the planet, it's all going, it, well, it's going pear-shaped because of this. Yes. Even everything we do to the environment and the corporates and it, everything works like that. And it hasn't worked. It's got to work like this. Mm. I completely agree. There's a, I think it's an African tribe. Uh, I studied anthropology a long time ago and one, uh, one of these, one of the tribes, um, if a if a person acted, as we would say, naughty or misbehaving, they would put that person in the center of the circle and they yes. would all say to this person how amazing they are, how much they are loved and just showering them with positive love and connection to, mm. to heal them mm. because they understand that that that's what they're craving is that relationship is that connection not they're not purposefully trying to be disobedient or misbehave or it's uh that that brought me to tears when I found found that out the first time because I feel like so many people would benefit so much from that what those people surrounding the one in the middle were doing was telling them what they really appreciated about them. Now, you don't make this stuff up. You're just saying what you really appreciated because the person in the middle has temporarily forgotten that. Mm. And so they're reminding them of who they really are, a divine being. And so everybody chips in just to remind them. And they're in the center of love to be reminded that they are loved. They are loved. They're a divine being. And um, one of the reasons in Western culture, anyway, I, I, I can't speak for other languages I can only because I only understand English, but in English language, the ratio of picking holes in kids to recognize the um, things that we appreciate them 
the picking holes and things ratio is like this for many kids. And sure, things that change that things that aren't going well do need to be addressed, but not by picking holes in them. There's ways of saying things that can be positive. So that it might say to a child, thank you so much for tidying up your room. I really appreciate that. I reckon you've made a really good job. One more thing. Do you think you could put your dirty clothes in the basket? I'd appreciate that too. Thank you. So that's a whole different thing from, oh, God, you still haven't done it. You still haven't put your dirty clothes in the basket. How many times have I told you that? So we get picked at instead of partnered, partnered through our language and partnered and appreciated for who we really are. Mm. And it happens a lot to little kids. Mm. If you listen to the way people get down off there, I told you not to touch that. For goodness sake, eat with your mouth shut. A whole lot of stuff can leave this little person feeling, oh my God, don't I do anything right? But that's, that's us. And see, I don't know about you, but I've had to do a whole lot of awareness around how I speak to myself first. It's what you oh, alluded to early. Absolutely. How I speak to myself. And then when I clean that up, I'll speak to others more kindly. And the people who are hanging out for that because they're just learning the language and they're just learning how it works are the little ones. Mm. Yeah. Well, Penny, thank you so much for sharing a little bit of what you've learned over the last 54 years of teaching and being with children. If people want to find out more about what you have to share, how can they do that? Well, I have a website. So if you just Google in my name, it will come up. It's Weebly. It's a Weebly website. Um, there's a tab called Articles, and I've put all the articles up there as PDFs for free. There's a lot of information in there. I have three books. Um, the first book, which I wrote a long time ago, Magic Places, which has been fully revised in 2015. It's really basic. And I think for people who are nannying, it would be a very good book because it, it really sets out the philosophy of the child being capable and how to support that through creative play. Mm. Because one of the things we know about creativity in children is they all start out creative. That's what the research says. And by the time they finished schooling, because of the way that we interact with them and the things that we give them to do, they leave and, and it's and it's it's gone into hibernation, if not gone at all, you know, if not all gone. And so that would magic places would be a place to start. Um, it is up as an ebook for people who live overseas because the postage from New Zealand is so prohibitive. The book about little children, um, babies, and up to their first, second year called Dance With Me in the Heart, that's in the process of being turned into an ebook. And the Sacred Urge to Play will not be turned into an ebook because it is so image dependent and the, the file would be so big, mm -hmm. it, it would take forever to download. But those are ways that they can get in touch with the things that 
have been important for me around children. Amazing. All right. Well, thank you so much, Penny. Thanks for inviting me, Lara. And you mm -hmm. keep doing what you're doing because that makes a difference for so many families. Radio. Kakiti. See ya. Bye.